ask you to help us with this short message to communicate a simple truth. May you be glorified. May your people be edified. Send us your power, Lord, that makes preaching easy. And we ask that you be blessed in all that we do say and think today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're on chapter 5 of John, St. John, the fifth chapter. I'm just going to read two verses, and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to be really quick. I'm going to say a couple things and sit down. Here's, here's verse 1. Of, here's the first verse I want to read from John, chapter 5, verse 5. Of, it says this. <clears throat> And uh, if Rosie was here, she would thank me for reading from the King James Version, but I'm not going to read from the King James Version today. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because I love how simple it makes this particular verse. Here's, here, here we go, John 5, 5, and 6. It says, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Anybody been sick for 38 years straight with the exact same thing? Yeah, you don't know many people. Number one, when you're sick for 38 years, you're probably going to die or probably have died before you reach 38 years. How someone can be sick of something with 38 years, unless it was paralysis. If he was paralyzed, I mean, Jody Tata has been paralyzed for a lot longer than even 38 years. But paralysis, a person could conceivably... And I don't, I don't understand all the medical uh, connotations of this, but a person could conceivably be sick for 38 years and paralyzed. But boy, oh boy, that's a long time to be sick of anything, right? It's tough to even have a cold for 38 days. Uh, 38 years to be sick is a long time. So verse 6 says, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. Well, how did Jesus know he had been ill for a long time? Well, he's omniscient. He knows all things, right? Very easy. And here's the question that he asked that I think is so profound that I'll spend a few minutes talking about. He asked the man, Jesus asked the man, and Rod preached on this a couple years ago. I meant to look up the exact date, Rod, that you talked about this. But he asked the man, would you like to get well? Now, let me just say this to you guys. Doesn't that to you sound like a very, doesn't it sound like to you a very, and I'm saying this, Lord, in, in all respect. Doesn't it sound like a silly question to ask someone that's been sick for 38 years? They're sitting here laying by a pool. They can't move themselves. They have no help, no support, no doctor, no medicine, nothing. They've been sick for 38 years. They're probably near death. And Jesus asked the guy, would you like to get well? It just seems to me like a very obvious answer. But I mentioned this in Sunday school, and I won't repeat it. The guy never answered the question. But I did write down a couple reasons why I think Jesus may have asked the question. Ready? Here's a couple things, reason I think he might have asked that question. Number one, he may have asked the question because some people just don't want to get well. You may think that's weird, but it's true for various reasons. They don't want to get well. Uh, why? Well, they don't want to get well because sometimes people lose their will to get well after that long, especially 38 years is almost four decades. Another reason, people crave attention. Some people just like the attention 
and the sympathy they get for being sick. Oh, poor guy, been sick for 38 years. Some people just really like that. Another reason that people stay sick or don't necessarily want to get well is for the monetary benefits. People just come, give them money. They were typically beggars or panhandlers. People just come and throw money at them, give them money for free. They didn't have to work for a living. People just support them. So they're not trying to get well. They're living freely. Here's another reason that people that have been sick for a long time may not have wanted to get well. Because they may not have felt that they ever could get well. So psychologically, they had blocked the chance of ever getting well, so it was a non-issue. And one last reason, I asked Andy for help on this, that people suffer from being hypochondriacs. They just imagine a sickness. They just mentally think they're sick when possibly they're only psychosomatically sick. They could actually be okay. Andy, can you just borrow Debbie's mic and just say something on that, if you will, please? Just a thought uh, on, on people that suffer from hypochondriasis. Sorry, okay. So the term hypochondriasis or a hypochondriac yeah. is an, anxious, an anxiousness in your mind that leads to constant worry or extreme concern that you are ill or will soon be ill. Um, and it oftentimes, it, it, for the most part, it's an obsession. So there are people, and we, I see this all the time, where people are obsessed with wanting, I don't know if it, they want to be ill, but they think they're ill, so it's a conscious anxiety that's like within them. And usually it comes from the mind. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think they interpret that or they diagnose, diagnose that as uh, somewhat of a mental illness. It may not be like the, the extreme mental cases, but it's somewhat of an, a mental illness because it's an obsession. And it basically takes over your mind, your mindset. Yeah, okay, amen. Correct. Sometimes yeah, so that can be like psychosomatic, yes. you know, where it's in your mind, but it, it manifests itself in your body. So you get sick because you think you're sick. And you may not have been sick to begin with. And who don't know, who knows? I think this man was truly sick, ladies and gentlemen. I think he was sick. I think he physically could not move because Jesus wouldn't play games with somebody that just needed a, a shrink. This was not a head case guy. This guy wasn't faking sickness for sympathy, I think. I think he was truly sick. I think that he believed in a superstition. Hang with me, I'm almost done. I believe he believed in a superstition. He, but they believed that this water would somehow start, you know, bubbling up because it was not too far from a temple. And there was this superstition that there was some kind of medicinal powers in this water. And the first person that would step in it would get healed of whatever malady or infirmity they were experiencing. They believed that. That was a superstition that was, was very prevalent during the first century. 
By the way, don't laugh, guys, because we believe in superstitions today. You ever talk to a baseball player? I mean, baseball players, especially at the pro level, are really superstitious. I looked up a couple of superstitions that we have observed here in the United States that didn't actually originate here. Uh, for instance, to think of walking under a ladder, breaking a mirror, step on a crack, break your mother's back. Yeah, lucky pennies, lucky horseshoes. I mean, crazy things like knocking on wood, luck, bad luck comes in threes. You know, people, we say that all the time. Especially we say people die in threes, bad luck comes in threes. That's a superstition. Uh, what is a superstition, Pastor Will? Well, it's something like Friday the 13th or opening an umbrella in a house or crossing your fingers or making a wishbone with some chicken bones. It's not based in scripture. <laughs> There's no biblical reality behind superstitions that some people listen, some people hold near and dear. I mean, urban legends. People live and die by. Don't put your purse on the floor. It means you'll be poor. I'm just sorry. This is just stuff I've heard all my life. And I've heard people that buy into these superstitions. So don't laugh at this dude. Don't laugh at the dude. Don't laugh at I see your hand, brother. Go, don't laugh at the dude that is laying on the floor. I ain't laying on this floor. <laughs> don't laugh at the dude that's laying on the floor and somebody beats him down to the pool. And he, he didn't get there first, so he didn't get healed. Don't laugh at that because we do crazier stuff or that's crazier st stuff today with some of our superstitions, legends, old wives' tales, fables, all the stuff that we buy into. And I'm saying, like, one of the things that we should do as believers is make sure we can find scriptural evidence for the practices that we observe. Amen? God helps those who help themselves is not in the Bible. It's not there because if God only helped the people that helped themselves, none of us would get help. Thank God that he helps some people that can't help themselves. Most of us can't help ourselves. Most of us can't heal ourselves. Most of us can't make ourselves get a job or get a raise or get a spouse or get in school or get good grades or stay healthy. Most of us can't do that by ourselves. Amen? So in closing, let me just say this about this particular miracle. It was really a miracle with a message. By the way, a miracle with a message is a sign. John was full of them, at least seven of them, seven signs. By the way, what is a sign, Pastor Will? A sign is a miracle that has an associated message for the purpose of learning and teaching a biblical principle. That's a sign. This was a sign. What was the sign, Pastor Will? The sign was Jesus was showing us what grace looks like. What is grace? Grace is unmerited, undeserved, unwarranted favor and blessing. Grace is what people that don't deserve get. Amen? We're all victims, thank God. We're all recipients of grace. So here's the point. As I close, this guy is laying there for 38, he wasn't laying there for 38 years, he was sick for 38 years, he was laying there maybe 38 minutes, we don't know. From my research, if you read people like Alfred Edershine and Josephus and others that are Jewish historians, they'll tell you a lot more about what was going on with this pool. There were maybe hundreds, if not thousands of people there that day. It was essentially an outdoor infirmary. It was a triage unit. It probably, 
I won't get too graphic, but if the guy was completely paralyzed and maybe didn't have control over his bowels or bladder, who knows what this place looked like and smelled like? This place was not for the faint of heart. For Jesus to even go there, you notice there were, at least this passage doesn't say, the disciples weren't with him. They said, Jesus, I'm good. You can take that one yourself. <laughs> I'm going to the mall. No, but Jesus was there by himself, apparently. He's there, and listen, all these people are lying, sitting, standing around, sick with some sort of disease or disorder. And of all these people, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord chooses. He just maybe wiggles his way through the crowd. I know I'm off camera. I'm sorry, Marcus. And goes to this one guy. Talking about your blessed day. Talking about your big day. He goes to this one dude, this one guy. I don't know that this guy had been there the longest. I don't know that this guy had the disease the longest. But Jesus found him in the midst of all these sick people. That's what he does for us. He found you. He found you. He chose you. He chose us individually, not collectively. We don't get saved in bunches. It wasn't like one day God saved 50 of us or 1,000 of us. He selected us individually, singly. Singly, Sister Janice. He chose us one by one. He said, Brother Beecham, I want you. Annie, I want you. Debbie, I want you. Lexi, I want you. He chose us one at a time. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He chose us. He selected us. Not because of anything good we had done. We hadn't earned it. We hadn't deserved it. We hadn't bought it. We hadn't paid for it. We hadn't tried to trick God to give it to us. He chose us when we had nothing to offer. Mm. Mm. Lord help us. The Monday morning moment is he chose us. We didn't choose him. He chose us. We didn't choose him. Lord, we just ask that this message this morning help us to be more sensitive to grace. Help us to understand how blessed we are and how little our contribution to salvation is. It's so little, it's, well, it's zero. We have nothing to contribute. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for just salvation. Thank you, Lord, for giving us eternal life through Jesus. May you be glorified this morning, and may your people be edified. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Woo.